Your best life is more rewarding when you become a member of Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. You can earn MyPlus rewards points for everyday purchases and banking activities. You even earn 3,000 MyPlus rewards points when you open your membership with Affinity Plus. MyPlus Rewards offers the potential to rack up major points and even bigger rewards. Use your points on vacation getaways, discounted rates on Affinity Plus car loans, gift cards from popular stores and restaurants, and cash back. Or pay those points forward with charitable donations. You've got a lot of great choices with Affinity Plus and MyPlus Rewards. Stop by the Brainerd Lakes branch in Baxter to learn more about your MyPlus Rewards earning power. Affinity Plus is federally insured by NCUA. Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. And today we are visiting with friends from Crow Wing County. With us today, Tim Houle, Crow Wing County Administrator, and Debbie Erickson, Administrative Services Director. Folks, welcome back to Community Focus. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, let's start with you. Uh, you haven't brought too many guests with you, but it's good that you're branching out here a little bit. I think I probably should be bringing guests along. You know, I was telling Debbie on the way here, you know, I come in here and talk smart, uh, which is a stretch for me. Uh, so bringing somebody that knows a lot more about what's going on in county government seemed like a good move. We're going to talk today a little bit about the presidential primary, and the guest that I brought with, Debbie Erickson, has been with Crow Wing County for 25 years. 25, almost 26 years. Oh uh, and is on a national advisory committee for uh, the Standards Board for elections. Uh, she's a nationally known expert on elections uh, and is probably, if you went to the state legislature, a well-known person mm -hmm. as it relates to Minnesota election law. So we're really lucky to have that kind of knowledge in Crow Wing County, and she's going to tell you a lot more about it. Wonderful. You know, uh, for years I've said, uh, as a citizen of the United States, and what's I mean, our whole country is based on voting. That's yeah. right. And yep. people going to the polls to make these decisions. Unfortunately, not everybody goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We wish that we would see a little bit of better turnout maybe across the country. Yes. Minnesota always has the bragging rights that we typically have the top turnout in the state. And for the last two general elections in 2018 and in 2016, we did. But even so, we only had about 65% of Minnesotans turned out eligible voters who turned out to vote in the 2018 general election. Mm -hmm. And Something. that's a little bit disheartening yeah. when you think yeah. about all the people who have that opportunity to be part of our democracy who choose not to. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's always struck me as it's interesting. Um, this year is uh, election year. Yes, it is. It's, it's uh, a big one. It's going to be a big one. And there's something new that we will be doing here real soon, isn't That's it? That's right. Here in Minnesota, we're going to be participating in Super Tuesday, along with 13 other states across the country, and having a presidential primary election instead of a preference poll at our caucuses, which we were typically used to here. Yeah. So explain when is Super Tuesday and what do our listeners need to know about the primary? So Super Tuesday is Tuesday, March 3rd of 2020. And what everybody needs to know about the primary is it's very similar to a typical regular election. You're going to go to your same polling place. You're going to get that paper ballot that we're all very familiar with here in Minnesota. And you're going to be able to cast your vote for your selection for president. There are a couple of differences that are going to come into play with this particular election, though, that we're not quite used to here in Minnesota. 
in Minnesota, we are usually used to having an open primary. Mm-hmm. We've all gone to the primary in August where the election judges tell you, don't cross the party lines, yes. stick to one column or the other. Yep. The difference is for the presidential primary, you're going to actually have to pick which party's ballot you want to receive, and only the candidates for that party will be on your ballot. Hmm. Okay. So for those folks that are out there that may have some reluctance yeah. about expressing a partisan preference, yes. um, I'm sure that will drive the vote turnout to be lower. This is part of the party's process of selecting their candidates. So it's really not so much about governance as it is uh, a way for the parties to get a clearer understanding of who the presidential nominee for each of them should be. Okay. I'm... Uh, Cynically, I've also heard from those expressing the fact that this is a data collection process uh, for the parties. And that's uh, can, really... Can we say that? Is, it is kind of true because what the law does is allow us the fact to have all of the political party information as well as who turned out to vote in the primary election mm-hmm. to be collected. And it's required to be shared with the political party chairs of all four major parties in the state of Minnesota. Following the 2018 election, two additional political parties attained major party status in Minnesota. So we don't just have the Republican and the Democrats. We have the Republican Party, the DFL Party, the Legal Marijuana Now Party, and the Grassroots Legalized Cannabis Parties are all major parties in the state of Minnesota. Hmm. And following the presidential primary, all the party chairs for all four parties will receive the name, the address, the date of birth, phone number if we have it, and Mm -hmm. what party's ballot was chosen by that particular voter. So it is somewhat of a data collection process yeah. as well. So you got to think about it. It's not an election in the classic sense of the word where um, there is complete neutrality, if you will. This is part of the party's selection process. And so declaring that you are a Republican uh, so that you vote mm-hmm. in the Republican primary, declaring that you're a Democrat so that you vote in the Democratic primary, we're not suggesting that you can't or shouldn't participate in that process. But just understand, it's not part of governance. It's part of the selection process for candidates. So, Debbie, I'm guessing people are out there saying, okay, so they've got that information. What are they doing with it? Yes. And right now what the law says is that data like that can only be utilized for three things. Election activities, campaign activities, or law enforcement activities. Kind of broad categories when you think about it. And there is a real concern from a lot of voters and a lot of people that we've heard across the state. There's been some talk in the media recently about the what that data will be used for. And there's some concerns that they'll sell it or post it online or whatever it might be. And that's what we're all kind of led to think these days. (laughs) exactly true. Um, One of the things that I think you'll see when the legislative session starts is there's some conversation around if there's parameters that need to happen in the law. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the legislative season doesn't even start for another week yet, and we're already in the midst of voting for this particular election. Absentee voting started in January, so there's some concern about changing the rules in the middle of the process already. Ah, Very difficult to do. I would imagine that uh, for a lot of people that consider themselves an independent voter, 
they're not even going to show up. And that's probably very true as well. If they don't align with either the Democrats mm-hmm. or the Republicans, they may not choose to participate. The other two major parties did not choose to participate in the presidential primary. So there will only be two parties participating, even though all four parties will get the data from that. There's only going to be two parties that are represented. And the Mm -hmm. political parties also had to determine who the candidates were going to be on their ballots that would be allowed on those ballots. The Republican Party certified one candidate. President Trump Mm -hmm. was the only one that was certified onto their ballots. The DFL party has 15 names that are certified on their ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those candidates have already dropped out. Right. And more may drop out before March 3rd. But those candidate names will still appear on that ballot as well. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Even though the time frame of the election isn't until March 3rd, the preparation work started mm-hmm. back in December. Yeah. So in order for us to be ready for having those absentee ballots ready by January 17th, the parties had to have a deadline of saying when those ballots were going to be ready. Mm. We can't change the ballots once they have been identified. So voters who do choose to show up are going to really want to make sure that they know who's their candidate that they want, which party do they want to require in the first place, and then which candidate are they choosing to vote for. Yep. Hmm. Very interesting. And this is all new this year. This has not happened in the past, correct? It, it has happened four other times in okay. Minnesota history. Minnesota history, okay. 1992 was the last time that it occurred. The oh. first time was back in about the early 50s, 1950, 52, somewhere around in there. But it seems like every time they do this, we have one election where we have a presidential primary, and then the law either gets repealed or it gets put on pause indefinitely for a while, and kinks are worked out of the system. And we've always reverted back to that caucus system in the interim time frames. Sure. Uh, and I, I don't expect you to have the statistics, but I would think that those four times in history saw lower than usual turnout. The data I have is from 1992, and we had a 10% turnout statewide in 1992. Now, one thing to compare to is in, in 2016... You know, we still have our state primaries in August. And unfortunately, if there's not a lot on a ballot, people don't always turn out for those. So here in Crow Wing County, we had a 4.5% turnout for the state primary in 2016, which basically had one judicial race on it, and that was it. Wow. That was why there was not a lot of interest in that particular office. So. Mm-hmm. Politics has changed a little bit since 1992. Some of our citizens are a little bit more engaged, but I think it's safe to say that you'll probably see a higher turnout for one party and not as high for the other, Mm -hmm. given that there are not as many choices on one ballot as there is on the other as well. So to say what that turnout is going to be could be skewed a little bit, too. Was there uh, is there thought to the fact that even if you are a Democrat or Republican, you may not show up because you do not want your name added to the data. That's a very valid point, and we're actually anecdotally hearing that from a lot of people across Mm -hmm. the state. There is a concern from people that their data could be utilized and put some of their employment in jeopardy, or they just don't want their neighbors and friends to know Mm -hmm. what that political party is. Minnesotans are kind of private by nature, especially of that kind of data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially in light of the extreme partisan politics that uh, we hear you may not want as a business person or even an employee to 
allow someone else to know. I mean, somehow that could come back to haunt right. you is the, is, might be is the, the mindset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I think a lot of people are concerned about right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what kind of is sort of interesting about that is you can go and declare one party for this presidential primary. That does not obligate you to the same party for the next election. And so when we have one candidate on one side and multiple candidates on the other side, politics being politics, I would expect there's a fair number of Republicans that will cross over and ask for a Democratic ballot. Um, Just to have some fun. um, (laughs) And I know that that is a concern and that has been brought up before. Uh, Like any election, when a voter goes in to vote, they're going to have to sign an oath that says they meet all the eligibility to be able to vote in this election. And for this particular election, there's an additional sentence and a new statement that is on there that says, I certify that I align with the principles of the party that I have selected. Ah, okay. Now, signing that voter oath and making a false statement is a felony, actually. And a lot of people don't realize wow. that that is making false statements on a voter registration or on an election day oath can be considered a felony. Whether that, that stops anybody from playing that little game that mm-hmm. Tim's talking about is hard to say. And I'll ask the next question, which uh, ties right in. How would anyone prove one way or the other? There's absolutely no way you can prove that. We don't have party Mm -hmm. registration here in Minnesota, so there's no way that that would become a situation. And this is also not not free. Mm -mm. Um, Statewide, this is going to cost the taxpayers $12 million. And, you know, I'm a nonpartisan by nature because I work for a nonpartisan unit of government. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it does... I I wonder to myself, when did it become government's responsibility to foot the bill uh, for the parties to select their candidate? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it's the law. And so that's what we're going to administer. That's how we're going to do it. Um, I would be interested, you know, we uh, don't yet at the time of this recording have the results from the Iowa caucuses. But Debbie, how would you say Minnesota compares to what is happening in Iowa with the delayed results? I think it's kind of a catch-22 in Iowa right now. There's always that want to get those results Immediately, you know, data is so instantly accessible to everybody right now. There's also a lot of scrutiny on election integrity and making sure that we have the information correct. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're seeing Iowa's kind of caught in that limbo land right now, wanting to get those results as quickly as possible, but wanting to make sure that data is correct. They also have some technology glitches with some new systems that they were trying to incorporate this year. We thought there was an app for that. We thought there was an app, but apparently it doesn't work. Right. Here yeah. in Minnesota, with now having the primary system, the voters are going to be afforded that same integrity that we have with all of our elections processes here. So you're going to have that paper ballot that has that mm-hmm. paper trail. You can go back and look at what those Physical. results are. Yep. It's that same process that way. The caucuses will still occur in Minnesota. In fact, caucuses will be before the presidential primary. They just will not be taking a preference poll for president at the caucuses here. They'll still have platform speeches, uh, position statements, and party business that they will do probably around the end of February. I believe February 25th is the caucus date. And those people who are choosing to participate in that will still have some sway and input on the local delegates that are going to be appointed for state conventions for statewide offices and local offices as well. Wow. All right. Very, very interesting. Now, uh, 
you mentioned the caucuses coming up in February. Mm-hmm. Then we have this uh, primary for president only. Is, is there correct. another primary later there in the year? Yes. The second Tuesday in August, we will be coming back to the polls again for our regular state primary. And this will be for our federal and state offices that are not president, obviously, okay. and also any county offices. The purpose of that primary in August is to narrow the field of candidates to one candidate per party for each office, mm-hmm. or to narrow the candidates of a nonpartisan office, like a county office, to two candidates to move forward to the general election. The general election. Okay. And then November 3rd will be that statewide general election where everybody will get to go to the polls and vote for everything from president down to school board member, township supervisor, all the things in between. We hope wow. that we see a lot of people turning out for that. Our last presidential year turnout in Minnesota, we had 75% of our eligible yeah. voters who voted. Wow. Crowing County, we always trend right around that state average, so we had about 75% turnout as well. Cool. We'd love to even bump that up a little bit higher come November as well. Yeah, uh, Debbie, as long as you're here, you're uh, as Tim said, you're kind of a national expert on this, and you've participated in some national boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been curious as to why all elections in every state aren't kind of the same in terms of technology and making sure you have the paper trail. And yet there's no standard, is there? You're very true. It's it's very interesting because we always talk about election security. And one of the things that makes our elections most secure is we don't have a federal system. Elections are actually governed and managed at that local level, whether it's the county level or even down to the city and township level. And because each state sets some parameters in the laws as it pertains to election administration within each state, Mm -hmm. it's more difficult to hack a system that is not centralized because there's too many different, Ah. different systems that are in place. So part of that security is that differentiation between Mm -hmm. all the different areas. With that said, there are some best practices and some standards that are coming from a federal level, coming from the state levels. We've worked really hard here at the state of Minnesota as a county association to try to make sure that a voter's experience here in Crowing County is the same as it is in Hennepin County or Lake of the Woods County. Mm -hmm. You should be able to go into any polling place and have the same basic experience. Right. There is a push to really encourage all states and communities to utilize the paper balloting system. We've found that where there are vulnerabilities, it's from those purely electronic systems that don't have that paper trail back up there. And that's becoming recommendations that are being set forth at the federal level. And I might even add, uh, you know, I mean, we have uh, 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 things in our uh, lexicon now, like hanging Hanging chads that that we all remember, which, again, seems to me such a primitive way to do things. Yes. And in Minnesota, to color in a little dot seems to be a very easy way to not only uh, mark your vote, but to then send it through a machine to electronically record it. Correct. Am, Am I you're right on the you're right on the money with that, Ken. There's a lot of value in the system that we have because we have that paper system. Everybody's pretty familiar with filling in the oval. Mm-hmm. Some of us used to have to do it in standardized testing in schools. I don't think they do that so much anymore. <laughs> with the number two pencil, but most people were familiar. I don't know. I don't know. I, I most there was people were familiar me. with that process and having that paper system, being able to feed it into the optical scan tabulator, allows us to have the results quicker. We're not hand counting every mm-hmm. single ballot for the first time. 
fine. Yes. But we have those paper ballots that we can go back and hand if, count it. If something goes wrong or if there's we a question. We do testing before yep. every election to prove the equipment should vote and mark should mark the votes and count the votes the way that it should. Mm-hmm. And then we also do verification testing after the election where we do hand count all the ballots in some precincts wow. to verify that the machines did count them the way that Correct. they were marked. Yeah. So our system is verifiable and it is reliable to make sure that we're getting the best accurate data that we can. Voters wow. should have a lot of confidence here in Minnesota mm-hmm. that their vote counts, that it counts correctly, and that the results are accurate. Awesome. Good yeah, to know. I think we'll end on that note. And we <laughs> do appreciate uh, your work. And we might add all the volunteers that uh, you enlist to make an election <laughs> Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. Elections don't happen without those volunteers at that granular local poll mm-hmm. level. Uh, we have about 500 individuals across Crowing County who serve in some capacity as a poll worker or an election judge within our community. What's the longest serving one? Oh, my favorite is my favorite judge, Helen. She started as an election judge when she was 18 years old, her very first election that she was eligible to vote. Mm -hmm. She also worked as a poll judge, and she recently turned 88 and was at my training session two weeks ago. So she is still still committed and really involved. Mm -hmm. Good for her. her You go, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very good. Again, we thank you for being here to talk about this. I thank wish you. we had much more time. I know. There's a lot of other questions we could <laughs> get into. But we might have to have so you much. back. Yeah, Absolutely. We'll, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Debbie. See, I Tim. told you she was going to be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you can come back anytime. Too, I know. I yeah. like <laughs> All right. Our guests today, um, of course, Tim Houle is the Crow Wing County Administrator, Debbie Erickson, Administrative Services Director here in Crow Wing County. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. That is today's edition of Community Focus. We remind you our Community Focus programs are available to listen to anytime on our website. Just go to 1067wjjy.com. That's brought to you by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. And you can also listen anytime through our free downloadable app powered by the Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.